Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I don't know when you're listening. This is Tracy, and you're listening to the Accidental Yogini Podcast. And I have a special guest here today. Her name is Elena Hernandez. She has been a very good friend, student teacher here at One Yoga Center for, gosh, I don't know how long. When did we originally meet? Do you know what year that was? Probably like 2003, maybe. 2003. Was it at Lori's yoga party? (laughs) It was. uh, Or was it before that? Um, I think we may have met at um, Evolution Fitness before yo- before Lori's uh, yoga party. Okay. I know they were right around the same time frame, mm-hmm. so I can't remember which. And Lori just had a birthday, so that would have been then... Um, her Lori's birthday is January, so I'm going to say it could have been like in December. Mm. Or, um, yeah. It was cold, or I remember. November. Mm-hmm. Well, um, thank you for being on the podcast today. I want to start off with um, maybe tell a little bit about yourself. Um, and you know, this is about yoga uh, for the most part. So maybe you can tell everybody a little bit about how you were introduced to yoga or how you got involved with it. Um, any anything you want to speak about? Maybe your do you remember your first class or your or something that stands out to you? Wow, that's a lot. Uh, but okay, <laughs> I'll do one at a time. So um, I was introduced to you through um, Sharon LaForge, who was the owner of Evolution Fitness. Um, at some point, um, after having moved here like 26 years ago, um, I didn't know anyone here in the area, so I felt like joining a gym would be a good way for me to make acquaintances with people. And uh, I was going to Evolution Fitness, uh, not teaching, just taking classes, and Sharon one day suggested, uh, maybe you should uh, teach body pump. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, wanting the attention and the approval and all of that stuff, you know, wanting the spotlight, I said, oh, okay. So here I was, a single mom with three children, and yes, I'm going to add on the teaching. So um, I taught that for a while, and then like I said, I met you, you you were teaching, I want to say on Saturdays. It was. On Saturdays. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just came on the schedule, and I was like, you know, I'm going to give this a try. I really didn't know, and maybe I have the story maybe reversed, maybe Lori's was the first introduction and that's what maybe prompted me to take your classes in Evolutions. So um, Lori had a birthday party, I remember the theme was red, Um, (laughs) and of course at that time I just, oh yay, red, okay. Um, Which now you can, you know, look deeper into that, which uh, first chakra, red and grounding and you know, we all had red towels that Lori had provided for us. And the eye pillows. And the eye pillows. And I remember um, we did some basic poses. What I, I didn't know anything about yoga, and I'm like, oh, okay. And the highlight for me that day was just a final relaxation where we laid with the eye pillows on our eyes. Mm. And... Um, and then there was, uh, at the end of that, there was, uh, Lori said, well, you know, you have all played a role in this very challenging period of time for me. You've helped me emerge from this difficult situation, and I'm so grateful I left a card for you. 
So I remember reading that card from Lori and um, I was so touched, you know, yeah. with her words and uh, so touched with the fact that you can play, uh, you, have, you can have such an impact on people through what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that resonated with me, and um, I think that's what I've always wanted to do. Wanted to be able to do something to that can have an impact on someone else's, you know, life. Um, mm. So after you um, stop me at any time <laughs> after after, um, after that, you opened up a studio upstairs from city streets or in the same plaza, but your right. own. Mm-hmm. And so I followed you to that studio, but I don't know if I was really, t- if I was taking your classes, I believe that I don't know why I keep thinking that you had someone teaching Shivananda or... Diane. Diane. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Diane, (laughs) it will always be a part of my life because um, one particular class stands out for me and will always stand out for me. Um, You know, we were in final relaxation. It's such a powerful pose and... And it's where it all melts in and out, I'm going to say. And she read this affirmation, every day, in every way, I will be happier and healthier. And she read it slowly, and she read it maybe two more times. And I was uh, laying there with a throbbing hangover, um, judging myself for being in such a spiritual place and moment and not feeling very spiritual, not feeling very worthy uh, because I had lost gaps of time from the prior night's event and I knew there was something bad but I really didn't know what it was because, uh, you know, um, yeah. Uh, So uh, after Diane read that, I just started crying and uh, I took it as a message, a divine message that I better get my shit together, that I definitely had a problem with alcohol consumption. And um, from that day on, uh, I've never touched alcohol again. Wow, that's powerful. I was repeating that, uh, you know, every day in every way for well over a year, every single day. And I felt like that really... uh, penetrated every cell of my body Hmm. you know what do you think it was that you connected with that day that had such an impact was it what would you call it uh I always uh, I refer to it in the program as God's grace Hmm. you know as um as an opportunity as a window of opportunity for me to emerge from that um from the uh from the role that I was playing out all this time, uh, like everything was okay, like I had my shit together, like everything was fine. Right. And really it was just a role I was playing in order to continue to receive validation from others. And um, yeah, that was important for me. And I realized or began to realize at that time that the most important validation I can have is my own, Mm. you know. Yes. And, uh, yeah. How many years ago was that then? 
So I just uh, had my 16 years of sobriety. So that was in uh, 2004. Mm. Yeah. And that Congratulations. was Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's a very big milestone. It is. Really. So many people struggling today with addictions, as we talk about all the time. So yeah. what a, um, really, what a great role model for some folks that are still struggling with that every day. Do you feel that every day is a challenge, or do you feel like you're in a good place with it? Um, I feel I'm in a good place one day at a time. When we talk about forever, when we use that term, uh, you know, uh, sobriety, it, you just don't get somewhere and then stop the work. And so um, I feel it's important to continue to deepen your spiritual roots and uh, belief system and keep that very alive in your everyday life. Mm. And I know when I think of you, and I've watched this whole this whole evolution of yourself. It started at evolutions, and it's been an evolution. But I, I, I always, to me, think, um, you know, spirit, the spiritual path that you have undergone in that time frame, the transformation, or the, you know, the winding road or, that you've taken. But I always admire your commitment to deepening that connection with the god of your understanding mm-hmm. goddess whatever you want to call it i'll let you you know phrase it however you want but your your journey from that particular yoga class to now and yoga has been i think a huge part mm-hmm. of your ongoing commitment to yourself but it's also changed and transformed as well mm-hmm. and a lot of people still feel that the yoga practice is this physical thing. That's maybe where you started too. But can you speak a little bit about the spiritual aspects of the practice and how it has helped you over these 16 years? So, yeah, I definitely connected with the uh, vinyasa type um, strengthening uh, poses and postures and you know, when I started, as I felt that it was familiar, familiar in that it was close to what I was doing already, teaching with weights, you know. But um, I'll, I'll segue to where I am now. I, I continued in, in that mode, but at, at some point, you know, um, it just wasn't that important anymore, the physical, you know, where I'm at right now is uh, right this moment today, um, is a, in a more devotional um, place when it comes to spirituality, you know, um, chanting, uh, meditating, um, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word worshiping, so I'm going to say honoring, you know, honoring, um, honoring that divine presence, you know, um, I always like to use that word, uh, our creator, sustainer, and preserver, you know, which I got from the Peace Weavers from one of the back yeah. covers of one of their things, but um, yeah, I'm more into not necessarily the poses, you know, mm. that 
for me, although I still enjoy and I teach it, I, I find, um, I weave it into my classes in a subtle way. Of course, not everyone is where you are when you're teaching, but you can kind of, you can't help but weave in wherever you're at wherever you're at, right, wherever, um, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and I wanted to say that, you know, when I was, uh, when, I, when I started our connection, I had come from a place where uh, the church was viewing uh, divorced individuals in a very negative, uh, you know, manner, and I remember sitting in mass with the kids, and I remember the uh, priest talking about divorced people in a negative manner and I felt wow I don't belong here Mm. and I remember it was at that time that I'm like I wonder if I can teach on Sundays to try to occupy my time with again the gym Mm -hmm. you know but um, what I found in when I met you and I got more involved in uh, with the studio and the practice is that I felt a sense of belonging Mm. you know I felt a sense of non-judgment and it took me time to get there because our I'm my own worst judge right so (laughs) everyone I think can say that right (laughs) maybe yeah (laughs) so uh, it was just a place where um, yeah it was a place for you to explore yourself you know to get to know yourself more and um, during this course of 16 years um, you know um, I didn't do my teacher training uh, until after right after my son passed away from an overdose in um, which was uh, over eight years ago Mm. and at that time um, I had to hang on to something I had to go a little deeper Yes, and um, and that whole transition of teacher training really, uh, really became like a life parachute for me. Mm. You know, there was a very special support mechanism, and at the same time, gave me an opportunity to deal with the grief. I'm gonna say in a softer, more, more realistic way. Mm-hmm. non-attaching way in a, in a, I, I don't know how, how else to say it yeah 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 so it sounds like the practice has really been a huge support for you through some very big challenges in your life that you've faced yeah you know I think like okay so I I, I work at the non-drinking and leading a clean life and Uh, striving for being happier and healthier and then the rug is pulled out from under you and how do you deal with that how do you deal with that and still maintain the essence of happier and healthier and uh, you know through the practice and through yeah I'm gonna say through the practice you know I've been able to not lose that but maybe for a, a period of time during the grieving but then was able to just you know there's no reason why I should lose it that is still my basic right as I am in this body right Right. to to be happy and healthier right and then I think part of the natural unfolding for you is getting involved with the yoga for sobriety program that uh, our other friend Gwen Mm -hmm. uh, put together and uh, it's obvious through what you've already shared why that's such an important thing for Mm -hmm. you um 
And that program is something you also still teach, I think. You're yep. still involved with that. Yep. So I remember it was, I think, during my first 200 hours that this program was being offered. And I didn't know really, um, I didn't know anything about it. You know, I knew, well, I know now that I'm an alcoholic and I, and I know that um, my son uh, was an addict, but I didn't really know anything about the program, mm -hmm. the, the program. I didn't know anything about the AA program. I don't know if I should be saying AA, but the, the, the recovery, the 12-step program. And uh, so I became curious because although I was receiving the spiritual support and the um, that I needed during my grieving and to to just kind of like deepen my awareness about myself and my attachments and so many things right because the the, pre the teacher training is like a dissection you know of yourself mm -hmm. you know um, but I by taking the yoga for sobriety uh, training I became more curious about the 12-step program and and it's through that affiliation that um, I, I became more knowledgeable about alcoholism and about um, addiction and about uh, wow there was a lot to learn there and I'm still learning so I, I um, so I wanted to make that a platform for myself you know to help those in need, those um, in recovery. Um, yeah. Do you feel like that's something you'll continue to do or you're not sure where the world's going to take you or spirit's <laughs> going to take you? Or does it, does it feel like that's something you need to continue to support people in ongoing recovery? Or Yeah, I think that's still, um, that's still part of that phrase every day in every way happier and healthier and you know that is not a recipe that um, it's not the same recipe I'm gonna say because some people maybe don't need the component of yoga for sobriety and some people will just benefit from uh, a regular yoga class but mm -hmm. the yoga for sobriety is specialized and it's specialized to help those in recovery and yeah. um, you know, after my son passed away, and of course, uh, being truly honest about my own disease, I can only pay it forward, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I teach yoga, because I'm paying that forward, because that sentence, that affirmation, that presence, it changed my whole life. You know, I never thought that could happen. I always read, oh, yoga can change your life. I, I just never thought that could be possible. <laughs> How can yeah. bending and twisting change my life? <laughs> it's crazy. It's yeah. It's crazy. I have learned through the years though that you just have to um live by example mm -hmm. because people um may not be ready to hear all of that, you know. So yes, and I think I mean, a lot of people know you in the area from maybe from the gym or from some of the other organizations in town that you've been on over the mm -hmm. years because you've, you've always kind of been involved in a lot of things. And you just don't know the level of how much, I think you said this before, like how you touch people. Mm -hmm. People that 
aren't ready, but they've been watching you or they've been listening or they've been seeing some of your um, spiritually inspired quotes that you post on on Facebook, um, you know, one day that might help someone Mm -hmm. or that may inspire them to get in touch with you for something else or someone else just Mm -hmm. to continue for their own well-being. So I'm, that's something I'm always... I, I guess I shouldn't use the word surprised, but it, it does still surprise me every time someone says, oh, I've been following you, uh, and you just, I have no idea how many people are out there actually listening, but not getting involved yet, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. But you're touching, you're mm-hmm. touching them. And I think also, you know, being of service, which I think is what you do a lot of, and it's just one of the best things, the highest forms of energy we can share for people being of service would you agree (laughs) I do agree I feel like that's one of the most nourishing things that you can do so we can look at it as almost a type of food Mm. but it's it's the food that you're not necessarily ingesting uh, through your mouth but definitely just kind of absorbing you know through your Mm -hmm. pores I know maybe that's a little deep but um yeah it's the most giving it's the most giving mm-hmm. to just, um, it's the most giving and yet you can get trapped in your ego with that too. And, um, so it's about giving without expecting that you're going to receive or that you're going to be able to, to do or it, you just give it. That's, you know, right? that's big with the community we're mm-hmm. talking about, too. You, you cannot go in there with expectations mm-hmm. as to what's going to yeah. manifest. You have to just be of service and be that light and just do the work and let go of attachment to any, any, <laughs> anything because you just never know where people are in their own journey. So it's a di- it is difficult, but the ego that's that's a whole slippery thing. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about chanting? Because I uh, I think that maybe some of our listeners aren't. Uh, maybe they maybe they haven't gone to a kirtan ever. Mm-hmm. Certainly, right now there's a lot of things online, but there's to me there's nothing like being in person yeah. with something like that. The energy in the room, but. Um, the best we can recreate that at the moment is there's a lot of stuff online. But I think a lot of people uh, haven't come to that yet or maybe due to their own upbringing or understanding, they are off-put by some of the chants. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you speak a little bit more about you know, what, what is it mm-hmm. and um, how can you get involved with it and what it's done for you? Again, sure. let's just kind of dive there. So, yeah, well, I remember you introduced me to to that. I never knew what kirtan, I mean, these words were like foreign to me when I came to the studio, but I always heard uh, these this very pleasant, you know, music in the background, not necessarily in English. I didn't, it was just pleasant and it kind of harmonized with the practice and, and it just made everything just so perfect, right? And I remember, I think the first uh, people we went to see together was Deva Pramal and Mitten. It could have been uh, down in Philadelphia, I down think. Down in Philly, yeah. At that one church, that the acoustics there mm-hmm. were amazing. And I remember, it was so emotional. It was so profound. 
Uh, it was just collectively so impactful, you know, and I remember thinking, gosh, she's like an angel. I mean, mm -hmm. this, she has such a presence about her that is, uh, Deva Pramal, so just tender and embracing and light, and I don't know how else to say it, but um, besides, uh, the, also getting back to what it is, it's call and response, and if most religious, um, most churches of any kind usually involve something where the priest or, or uh, pastor, whatever, says something, and then you say it back. And basically, that's what um, Kirtan is all about. It's uh, the leader, right, um, says something, and then you say it back in the same tone that the that he's doing it in or she's doing it in. And then it just becomes like this wave of energy from everyone together. So imagining, you know, a room filled with like 300 people singing the same thing together. It's amazing. It's just, it's an, un, you know, Do you recall feeling. not understanding what you were singing or what you were chanting? Was that... Did it still feel authentic or was there a stumbling block there? Do you recall that feeling? I do recall that feeling, but I do recall trying to mimic or repeat exactly what the leader was saying. I remember, as you know, Krishna Das, you know, I always say he's, he's my spiritual husband, right? But, um, <laughs> there was something about him that I felt. I, I still feel like he penetrates my heart, you know, the, the sound, the vibrations coming from him. It just tears whatever is in front of the heart. It just, it just makes the heart vulnerable and at the same time able to take in. Does mm. that make sense? Just kind of like a give and take. And I, I do remember I didn't know what the words were, what they were. I knew they were... You know, you would hear the leader say something. These are divine chants to, you know, to either to the goddess or to Hanuman, which is uh, a devote. You know, Krishna Das is a devotee of Hanuman, who is the monkey god. Um, there's a lot more in that. We won't even get into that. <laughs> but um, then, as you, as I started to gain more more interest in it, I would look up to see what the translation of the chants were, and you know yeah. that. Uh, it just makes you feel a little more connected, but it's not essential because um, the benefit comes more from the vibrations, not when we think about translation, we're in our head. Mm -hmm. The intent of the chanting is to not come from the head, but to come from the heart and mm -hmm. to, to, um, to saturate it. And I'm going to use saturate or marinate in the vibrations. So... The, it transcends language, mm -hmm. yes, or those barriers. So, it's a it's its own its own energy of love and devotion. Mm -hmm. You would say yeah. it sounds like you're saying. Um, it, it's so for anyone out there listening that's thinking, well, I've heard some of this before, but I'm not so sure. What would you say to them? Uh, you need an open mind and an open heart and, and give it a try, but get a CD or go online. There's a lot of, I mean, nowadays everything is online. A lot of it is free. 
Um, I can name uh, Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Uh, Krishna Das has a free, uh, like a two-hour event, mm. you know, where he's leading and some of it is question and answers. You can submit your questions and ask him about his journey, where he's at. And I know on Fridays there's uh, Brooklyn, um, the Brooklyn Kirtan Collective that's free of charge and it goes on I believe that may start at uh, 7 and it goes on I think until 10 and it's a variety of artists that mm. join in on Zoom and it's great I know Deva Pramal and Mitten were also doing some free things are they still so they uh, yeah I actually did their 27 uh, day meditation initially on YouTube, I'm going to say, and that's still available on YouTube, Okay. but I actually purchased their app, and um, their app... Oh, has, that's right. They mm-hmm, have They have app. the Gayatri, Gayatri um, app, which is, uh, which within the app, there's a lot of, I'm going to say, panes or windows or um, that you can go into. One is recipes, one is... Um, uh, the Osho uh, room where you could find a lot of, uh, that was their guru, so you can find a lot of his, you know, quotes. Right. There's one for Mitten, his room of music. So it's just great. It's a one-time charge, and um, they are still doing stuff mostly on the app, but because they are running active retreats in Costa Rica right now. Right. So they're doing some stuff through Facebook Live, too. Okay. So the thing is, if you're curious uh, or inspired, um, go. there's so much. Mm -hmm. There's so much available. Uh, Krishna Das was my first introduction to chanting and kirtan. I feel the same way about him. He just busts my heart wide open. Every time I hear uh, him chanting about Hanuman, it's just game over. Like, you just, you can't help but whatever you're shielding. Exactly. (laughs) It just, it busts it right wide Mm -hmm. open. It's, it's, he's just incredible. And Deva Pramal and Mitten, and they were touring with Manos. And, Mm -hmm. um, and he also is doing some free things on his Facebook page. He is just a light, beautiful Mm -hmm. soul. Um, So, I mean, yeah, those are the people, I think we're saying the same people we're recommending to you if you are interested in in getting involved or learning more. Um, And uh, just before the podcast, we were talking about how Garish has Mm -hmm. the book, is it? Music uh, and Mantras. Music and Mantras. And there's some uh, digital downloads mm-hmm. uh, that you can get when you buy that book. And so if you want to start learning about chanting and some of the basic chants and, you know, well, it, you can't sing and you're, or you're afraid to sing because you, you think you're tone deaf or you don't sound good. I think he even teaches you toning and yes. very simple uh, simple things to get you started. So, um, what's the name of the book again? Music. It's and... called Garish Music and Mantras. And I, I, I do highly recommend that for anybody that's, uh, that's wanting to get started with chanting. And, uh, hey, we're, we're all learning new things mm-hmm. these days. And this would be 
a, a really wonderful thing uh, to dive into and to understand on a different level, uh, on that energetic level, like we're talking about. You just, just like yoga, it's experiential. Mm-hmm. You have to just, you have to do it. We can talk about it all day long, but until you release that energy in your vocal cords and your fifth chakra mm-hmm. and start to do that work there, uh, you don't understand it really until you're until you let it in. I so. think uh, I think you you lose the small self, you know, through the chanting. You just uh, recognize there's more. Again, without being uh, too technical, it just kind of it dissolves, and you're just part of this just endless, vast, amazing. Um, source. Do you know? Does that make sense? You yes. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, uh, we talk about this all the time too. So does uh, yoga or in this case, bhakti yoga is mm-hmm. what we're talking about. This mm-hmm. devotional chanting, the names of, of um, God and mm-hmm. source, whatever you're, you want to call it, um, comes in many forms. It, it is basically in Sanskrit which is an ancient language from India, does it therefore constitute Hinduism if you're chanting? Um, and I think, you know, we, what we're saying is that ultimately it transcends something as limited as that box mm-hmm. of um, that particular religion um, and to be open. And as you mentioned, there are so many different chants too. Deva mm-hmm. Pramal on some of her CDs, right? She has mm-hmm. some Lakota chants, Cherokee yeah. chants. Um, I mean, you pick a culture and everybody has hymns, chants, mm-hmm. right? That they have for their particular um, group. So uh, you don't have to be just chanting in Sanskrit. It could be in English. Right. It could be, a, it could be any spiritual or any song that brings you that kind of feeling within Mm -hmm. you know I don't really I don't introduce it a lot in my yoga classes because once again I'm respectful of uh, I think I've learned from you in that you you know you keep it light and you know when you want to do something like that you'll do a group with for just that right Mm -hmm. just so that no one feels like they're they're uh they're forced or they may feel singled out if they don't take part but we do, we, you know, we do our ohms and mm-hmm. we do the loka, samastas, you know, bhavantu, we yeah. get that in and, um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's a way to introduce people a little bit to mm-hmm. it and just talk about the nature of ohm. I remember the first time I went to yoga class and she <laughs> and the teacher said, okay, let's chant the mantra ohm three times. I didn't do it. I felt really, it was weird. <laughs> I knew, I was that person that thought I couldn't sing mm-hmm. <laughs> and had a horrible voice. And I was going to do that in front of people? No way. So I do recall what that felt like. Uh, you know, but I think when at least instructing others or, or you know, you're leading people, whether it's just one single om or a bigger mantra or... A, a whole workshop on chanting mm-hmm. is that you step outside of yourself and you just I let I just let 
that energy channel through mm-hmm. me and I don't think about this isn't me singing right. this is the divine mm-hmm. coming through me and I'm and I'm sharing mm-hmm. right absolutely yeah you know I, I recently bought a harmonium which for those of you that maybe are not familiar with it it's like uh, an Indian organ let's just say so it's like uh, an organ and then it has the bellows I don't even know did I say that word right I think so yeah which you fan while you're playing certain notes and I took that dive and I ordered it and it's sitting in my home and I'm waiting to start my (laughs) lessons hopefully in January because um, again you want to pay it forward I just mentioned before what impact it had on me and and it's kind of scary right to not only be singing but uh, to also be playing the harmonium but uh, you know, that's just uh, that's just me um, attaching to my small self. So I'm just gonna go for it, you know, right. and, and and just see where that takes me. Well, since you mentioned that, yesterday I brought my tablas here awesome. to the studio because uh, I bought these beautiful drums that go along when you're doing the. So for those of you that don't don't know, when you're in a kirtan, there's two primary instruments one's the harmonium which is kind of guiding the would you say melody the, the melody or the yeah the the words and then you have the tabla which are the drums which carry i guess the rhythm or the mm-hmm. or the beat the intensity maybe I'm gonna maybe say. yeah mm-hmm. because it does they they pick up they slow down mm-hmm. that's good so I uh, bought these beautiful tablas. In fact, I was just with Josh earlier okay. this week, uh, another friend and student of ours. He, um, he and I were in India on retreat, and we were walking in Varkala up the coast mm-hmm. and saw somebody selling tablas. Now, he's a drummer. I played clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> I did not play the drums, but... I had to have I had to have them and we bought them. I said to him, I remember that day. It was just it India is tough. India was tough. That trip was tough. Um, you know, the the difficulties of certain energy. But that day was so fun and light and and us having so much fun purchasing the tablas, getting them shipped home and then I, I got home and I think the tablas arrived like three days after I got home. I was so excited. Yeah. And then we took some lessons together and then they sat in their container for the last probably three years. So mm-hmm. it's, I feel like it's time to get them out and start playing again. Mm-hmm. So let's just say I'm learning, you're learning, maybe, we can do something maybe together. soon we'll be having some live kirtans where we're playing and... Uh, and people can come in and join us. That would be really cool. It would be cool. And maybe Chris, maybe we'll invite Krishna Das. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because he doesn't have his tabla player, which is Arjun is his name. And he's been using this. Of course, uh, nowadays you can get an electronic device to, to mm-hmm. replace any of these uh, other instruments. And he does... Love you, Krishna Das, but he does struggle with that machine working because the machine supposedly picks up on the tempo as he picks up the tempo in with the harmonium. Okay. It's supposed to kind of speed up 
the tempo, but it doesn't always happen. So yeah. that is that is the tabla and also the uh, kirtals, the the uh, percussion, the, the, yeah, the symbols, the, the bells symbols. or symbols. Mm-hmm. I um also have the it's like tambura or the something like that. The tambura is a great. It's great for meditation. It's like yeah, it's like a droning. It's tone. beautiful. Um, I, the app I have, maybe it's limited because I only have the free version. Maybe mm-hmm. the long, maybe if you buy it, it it's, uh, but it stops, it cuts off. So I, I have a problem using it too. Um, Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Right. You just, <laughs> you just, it goes on for like three hours. Wow. Okay. It's great. Yeah. It's great. It, and it comes in, you can get it in C and D and whichever, right. which, whatever sound kind of blends in with with mm-hmm. you, right? It's sometimes you just have to listen to them and see if it's if it's interrupting your meditation. If are you paying too much attention to that, or right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like is she just? I'm gonna say is she just feel like it's it's non-existent even. It's mm-hmm. almost just creating a, a a clearer kind of stillness or silence. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, um, I'm hoping that people will get involved with that. I want to shift gears just a yes. little bit because you mentioned a word maybe some folks aren't familiar with, and I want to just pop into that for a second. You mentioned the word guru at mm-hmm. some point. Um, so what is a guru, and do you have one? So, you know, there's a Buddhist saying that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And, you know, the, the true definition of guru is just uh, someone that takes you from darkness into light, that draws that light from you. And um, the guru is any of those people, seen or unseen, that in, in my, where I'm at, right, my interpretation of whoever can draw that light from you so I think you've been of course one of those people in my life and uh, I've been blessed with so many others that you know have uh, have drawn me out of that darkness and uh, drawn the light mm-hmm. elevated it does that make sense mm-hmm. so uh, yeah I, I do follow a lot of different people online um, and I I'm attracted to mystics, you know, and I, I've always been curious about that. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what they have to say. And so from that, I just draw and take things that like, oh, okay. Mm. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. So did I answer your question on that? Yeah. Uh, so you're saying um, basically that there's various different sources mm. that you would label as a guru over the years that have helped you but also that you're kind of following right now right and i i feel the life is a guru mm. you know life uh as it plays out if you allow it or if you if you allow for the lessons to manifest mm-hmm. allow for the lessons for you to learn from the lessons, mm-hmm. you know. Well, here's a question for you in that vein. How do you know the difference between the inner guru and the ego? Oh, that's tricky. You don't. You have. That's where the meditation, that's where the stillness comes in. 
and, and that's a constant practice just like saying the program it doesn't stop um, you have to listen to that gut and once again we say gut you know well gut could also be ego mm-hmm you have to yeah. uh, keep working at that so that it's almost like um, if you're looking through binoculars and in order for you to fine tune the image that you're looking at, you have to keep rolling around. What do you call that? The thing to... <laughs> oh, the uh, lens? Yeah. Or the... I forget what you call it. To find, to kind of fine tune it just like you're taking a picture. Mm-hmm. The aperture. Ap- aperture, oh. right? So, ooh, These okay. big words, yes, Alina. what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, yeah. that the spiritual practice uh, requires that aperture to be adjusted, you know, and mm-hmm. keep yourself kind of uh, tuning in. And the the guru, in my opinion, is not necessarily in body form, like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because when we think of it like that, we can also become attached to that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, attachment may not be very healthy for most of us. You know, I think it's that's a, an exam, examination that we need to ask ourselves pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. So it's practice. It's practice. It's practice. All right, are you up for a couple of, like, um, quick, fun questions? Sure. Okay. Let's see. What's your favorite yoga pose? <laughs> I've always said dancer. I don't know if you remember our trip to Costa Rica. I know uh-huh. I've always loved uh, dancer. And I think because just the word speaks to me, dancer, mm. you know. I thought you were going to yeah. say Shavasana. I thought you were going to say Shavasana. Shavasana. I think, you know, I'm almost 62, so yeah, that starts to become (laughs) one of my favorite ones. I think it's one of the most challenging ones for real, where Mm -hmm. you're not moving, and that becomes challenging because we become conditioned to feel like activity uh, defines um, result. Does Mm. that make sense? So maybe Alina 16 years ago, it was dancer, but Alina, as we're talking to her today, maybe is more Shavasana. Maybe. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Stillness. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. What's the most exotic location you've practiced yoga? There's a lot of locations that I've been so blessed to be... uh, you know, we've gone, uh, oh my goodness, we've, we've gone to France, we've gone to Costa Rica, we've gone mm. to Bali, we've gone to Thailand. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Peru? Know, Peru, that's right. What's next? So, you know. And, Greece? You know, India and Greece, right, right. So, I mean, you know, I think uh, the practice is just wherever you are and it mm-hmm. could be just as exciting in East Windsor as it is in any other uh, uh, you know remote location and I, I must say that I used to think well you know if I practice in blank you know if I practice in a in another country I was I was really attaching to that and it's and the practice itself is cultivating this sense of um, magic no matter where you are, mm-hmm. because you take it with you. Mm-hmm. 
you're not getting yeah. it from the outside. Does that make sense? But not yes, of me. course, <laughs> it, it does, of course, uh, enhance the visual when you're looking around and you see, you know, like in Peru, how can I forget in uh, Urubamba when we were practicing and these majestic, amazing mountains all around us. That is just Yapu. something I, I won't, yeah, it's hard to forget, you know? Yeah. So. I think a lot of people, well, I don't do traditional yoga retreats. So when somebody goes maybe on another yoga retreat, they're doing a lot of yoga and then a couple days of sightseeing. But for me, it's the yoga is connecting to the land, to Mm. the place, to the spirituality there. Um, And so maybe the yoga we do there is not what you would really consider or think is going to be yoga so yeah um definitely because your practice and this is what i feel i've has enriched my practice is just observing how how you work it right it works if you work it we say that in the program but it's mm-hmm. definitely a pic- applicable in the yoga practice you know the yoga practice is not it's not just poses mm-hmm. it is a broad spectrum of different um I'm going to say rituals and traditions that you can or can take part in or not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you less yogi or less this mm-hmm. or less that. It's just whatever you're ready for. Right. Right. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite yoga quote? You've said a couple already, but I don't oh know if they're God. your favorites. Um, uh, I love this quote from Iyengar. You know, we use the Iyengar book. I, I think maybe the no, the first 200 hours, I believe, we used that book as one of our reading um, uh, homework assignments. But he says, uh, yoga teaches us to endure what cannot be cured and to cure what need not be endured. Wow. Wow. That's a good one. Love that one. That's a good one. So that's probably from his book, Light on Life. Yep. There's so many. I mean, there's so, I get lost. This is, the, you know, my morning practice is just navigating through quotes. It's just, mm-hmm. I look back on Facebook memories and I'm like, wow, was I thinking like that like 10 years ago? Like, <laughs> I guess I'm still going at it, you know? It's like, and, 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 Depending on what's happening in your life at the moment, you know, some of these quotes can be extremely helpful and enlightening, right? Like, just to read them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have you ever had a negative experience as a result of the yoga practice? Negative. I can't. Uh, let me think. Let me think. You said fast, fun questions. Hold on. So, um, I, 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 not necessarily negative, but maybe, um, I think when you come in with expectations, that can already bring on a negative result. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, I'm going to go into a different studio or a different type of practice that I've never done, and then I take the class and I, I feel like, hmm. It just didn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. But that's because I came in expecting something already. Right. Um, so I think uh, for myself, I can't uh, really say. I mean, I 
I can say there have been instances where the teacher has maybe pushed me like maybe just a little beyond what I was ready for at the time, mm -hmm. meaning maybe lifting me up a little higher or bending me just a little more or whatever. And I'm, you know, maybe at that time I just felt like, oh, a little too much, but, um, but you know, we're in control of what we allow when mm -hmm. someone adjusts us or whatever we can, we're always able to say, no, 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 that's okay. I'm good. Right. You know, but I, but I do appreciate also the, um, I guess I'm going to say the, uh, encouragement that you can get from a teacher, um, just suggesting that you can explore just a deeper level of expression of a pose. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Any styles of yoga that you still either want to take a training or workshop on or explore for yourself? So, my God, yes. <laughs> uh, many of them, but um, I think uh, one that is really appealing to me is restorative. Mm. Okay. Because it's just... Yeah. It's like night and day from what I've always liked. And, of course, I love the more strengthening vinyasa style. Um, but I think the way, you know, I teach that now is to allow the opportunity for students to connect with their own power. Meaning, just giving them that permission to tap into it rather than think that they're not capable of doing something or don't have the energy to do something. But in restorative, I've, I've enjoyed, um, a lot of the restorative classes, mm -hmm. you know, um, with the bolsters and the pillows. It's mm -hmm. just a wonderful experience. I have to agree. I, I've gone through some difficult, challenging years where, uh, my physical practice wasn't what it used to be or what I would have liked it to be, but lying on a bolster for 15 minutes just shifted something mm -hmm. tremendously. So the power behind that, I think you you come to realize is is amazing and that practice can be incredibly transforming and healing. So I like that you're going to look into that yeah I um yeah I think it's a it's definitely um an opportunity to surrender mm -hmm. yeah you know because when you're laying still for that period of time it's too hard to contract and hold <laughs> yeah. so it's encouraging the softening and the surrender mm -hmm. you know beginning from the outside but then it just travels in a little you know deeper and deeper boy that's what everybody needs right now mm -hmm. is a good restorative I miss a good restorative <laughs> I have everything at home to do it I just yeah. again you know uh, that's the great thing when it's being offered I uh you know that you can just yeah um, yeah um yeah I just miss that yeah, I've been thinking about offering one online um, and just saying, hey, make sure you have two of these, three of these, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, if you don't have a bolster, you can use this instead, etc. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, just another thing to work into the schedule. Yes. <laughs> um, what is samadhi? Samadhi. Samadhi. Uh, enlightenment, right? To, right? To leave the body. To not. Well, that's a state of mind. A samadhi is a state of mind. It is. Uh, I think in the Patanjali Sutras that uh, that the goal of the practice is to attain samadhi. Am I on the right? Uh, def- okay, yeah. Um, I can't say that's where I'm at, and that I'm not doing it with that goal. Although the sutras, you know, the threads of uh, Patanjali, the book is. Uh, that is your goal that you're practicing in order to attain this. Um, I'm not thinking about that right that's, now. That's kind of, again, having an expectation, yeah. right? Yeah. Going uh, into um, it for, for wanting to achieve that, and then that's ego. So. And that's self-centered, yeah. and the practice is continue doing what you're doing, continue practicing, continue your whatever it is that, that aligns with wherever you're at right now. Mm-hmm. Just uh, continue to do it and be um, devoted. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, keep an open window of, you know, don't just be curious. I think that the practice and spirituality for me is like continue to be curious. That's important. Yeah. And that's so, uh, the next and final question is, you know, what advice would you have for new yoga practitioners? But maybe that's it. I don't know. Do you have something else that you want to share? Be curious. Um, Be fearless. Uh, Be all that you already are. And, uh, And definitely to be in your hands you know, is, 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 is a gift because that's not, I don't believe hearing other stories from other people, their experiences uh, in the practice. Um, it's not, it's, they don't share my experience. Obviously we all have different ones, but I think that you provide the support, the nurturing, you have the knowledge. Um, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, to, to make sure that they feel comfortable, at ease, that you trust, right? Because trust is a big thing. Yes. Trust. And so finding the right yeah. teacher and somebody yeah. that you feel you can open to. And uh, that's something that hopefully, I mean, at least I know all our teachers here at the studio, past and present. That's that's a quality that I look for is you're holding space for people uh, when they're quite vulnerable. Their mm-hmm. spiritual evolution, it's not just... I don't want to worry about somebody getting hurt physically, but mm-hmm. holding space for their spiritual evolution, that's such a, a role that you have to play. Uh, and, and so we have to come at it from the right place mm-hmm. as well, just being open. Anything else you want to share on this? Uh, you, are, you are an accidental yogini. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Who, who so... thought? I remember your body pump days with all of your outfits. And <laughs> I love you wore some insanely amazing things to get people pumped up about those practices. 
you know, and I always, I always, I have described yoga to be uh, a way of life where you bear all, where you don't need an outfit, that you don't need the Lululemon pants, not nothing against Lululemon. Uh, you know, I can't afford it and I don't, it doesn't enhance my practice. So I think we're coming up at a deadline. Thank you, Alina. I 